Thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raisin Grace Studios. Shout out to Two Pilots Distillery, our sponsor this month, or one of our great sponsors. Uh, it's one of the local folks that have uh, decided to give us a little bit of money to get their name out here and some product. If you're one of those businesses that wants your name featured on the podcast, please hit me up. We can make something happen. Also, a uh, big shout out to Red Circle. Uh, for all the help you give us, uh, our artist of the week now is uh, Jesse Wayne Taylor. Y'all go check my dude out. He's awesome. He was on the show last night. Go download his episode. His episode is called Vets, Bibles, and Barstools. He was awesome. And speaking of vets, uh, anytime Mission 22, Mr. Uh, Kurt and Miss Renee tell me about somebody, they're usually not exaggerating how awesome they are. Um and I had the pleasure today of uh, having Miss Miranda Briggs with Fight the War Within Foundation uh, with me on the podcast. Uh, Miss Miranda, how are you doing, ma'am? I am doing peachy. How are you doing, Josh? Uh, I'm doing better now that I'm talking to you. It's been a long. <laughs> it's been a long morning. Yes, it has. I'm with you on that. <laughs> so, uh, Miss Miranda, before we get started, why don't you drop uh, your social media links and everything so they can go check you out and uh, and all the goodness that comes along with you. Absolutely. We, uh, we're big on Facebook and Instagram under Fight the War Within Foundation. So definitely that's a good place to look us up at. Cool. Um, so uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into your story. Um, you're, you were in the Coast Guard and, uh, all that good stuff. Served our country. By the way, thank you for your service, ma'am. Where does your story with Fight the War with the End start? So I was National Guard, uh, for Army, um, from 2013 to 2015. Oh, I said Coast um, Guard. My bad. Yeah, no, no, my no. My bad. No, oh, no you're I good. You're up good. Already. The Coast Guard wouldn't let me in. They told me I had too many tattoos. So I, I tried to go Coast Guard. I wish I could say I was Coast Guard. Um, but I were, I liked guard because I was a career firefighter. So it worked really well with my training and everything that I had going on. Um, but really the journey of the foundation, um, started with my husband's military service, um, and really motivated what we're doing with fight the war within. Cool. Uh, my husband was an army ranger. He served at the 175th in Savannah, Georgia on Hunter army airfield. Um, my husband was just, is, he's an incredible person. Um, he was six foot seven. Um, he was always hitting his head on like ceiling fans. And one time he tripped and knocked his front tooth out. So he just, this, this total, total goofball. Like when I met him, I was like, what the heck am I getting into? Um, and he really was just a huge inspiration, uh, to my life, but to people around just one of those genuine, um, guys that would do anything to help anybody. Um, loved working on cars. He worked for NASCAR before he went to be an army ranger. So he was in the Lowe's pit crew. Um, just, there's not, there's not enough good things that I can say. I feel like I never say it right because I feel like I could always say it better. Um, Garrett struggled significantly with post-traumatic stress and substance abuse after coming home in 2013 from Afghanistan. And, uh, he, he struggled pretty hard. So he ended up getting out of the military in 2016 um, after having several DUIs, after not getting the help that he needed, after uh, reaching out to the VA, and unfortunately, he lost his internal war 
uh, January 31st, 2018. This was 15 days after our daughter was born. Um, losing him has changed the course of our family so much because I, I really went into investigative mode. I wanted to understand what happened. You know, we were supposed to be having one of the best times of our lives, starting our family. And when I got his medical records back, um, we learned that he was reaching out for help and the VA uh, did fail him in so many ways where he, where he was trying to get help. So it makes me proud of him, but it really uh, made me angry and frustrated me. So the idea of starting this foundation was to learn from Garrett's story and the gray zones and the gaps and the areas that he fell through. Um, one of, of thousands of service members, one of, I mean, they say 22 a day, but with COVID, the numbers are actually closer to 30 that we're losing to suicide every day. And um, our goal is to end uh, suicide someday. I hope to be put out of business someday for what we're doing. So Garrett is what um, sparked this. And in the middle of COVID, we all had a little more time. Uh, it was about two and a half years after he passed. And we went ahead and filed as a 501c3 and we hit the ground running. So he's, he's a huge part of what we do. Woo. I just want you to know, you got me choked up there at the, at, at the end of what you're saying. When, uh, whenever you said, I hope to be out of business one day, that is the first time I've heard that from a foundation. I love, I, I'm telling you, I got gooseies. I got tears in my eyes. Uh, I had, I had to fight back all lump in the throat there. Um, I'm sure he'd be damn proud of you. I'm, I'm sure, you. I, I'm sure he'd be very, very proud of you. Um, uh, I battle with it. Uh, I went through an attempt in 2010. Uh, it, it, what's crazy is uh, right after my attempt, nine months later, my daughter was born. And uh, we named her Gracie. I call her my saving grace. Because, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it still, hearing your story, it, it makes me, it makes mine feel insignificant. But let, let me tell you, uh the fact that there are people out there like you that took what could have been the worst thing ever. And I'm, and I'm still sure it's the worst thing ever, but you decided to help other people. That's the reason why I share my story. Uh, it's not for people to be like, you know, I appreciate the nice messages I get from folks, but it's the fact that maybe you save one person's life by, by sharing your heartache and sharing your pain. And uh, the fact that you uh, lost your husband, uh, and you're as strong and tough as you are now. I, I don't know if I could do it. So I, I tip my hat to you, ma'am. Thank you. And Hey, your story is not insignificant. I tell people that all the time. Pain is pain and everybody has a different scale because we, we all go through different things, but your pain matters and, and you matter. So keep on kicking, keep on doing what you're doing. Keep talking about it. Absolutely. So what all do y'all do to raise awareness? Oh Lord, this is that's that's the question of the century. So what had happened was, you know, our, our you know, we we had been talking about this. Just a core group of us had been talking about that, you know, starting this for a while, and really didn't have time until COVID. Um, my husband was an employee at Nine Line Apparel when he passed, so um, Nine Line had been really supportive. I talked to their CEO Tyler Merritt about um, this idea, so they went ahead and, and gave me a promo code. So this promo code had been generating money, but I had done nothing with it because just nobody has time in the day. And uh, when we all slowed down in COVID, I put it out on my personal Facebook one day. I was like, hey, who's, who wants to sit on a board for a nonprofit? And I absolutely got blown up. I was like, okay, this is going to happen. So 
um, we ended up using those first funds to get care packages for frontline COVID workers. So we sent eight packages around the country to different uh, nurses and first responders that were working. And we're just like, okay, let's keep going. What's next? So we filed in Georgia at the end of April, um, filed our 501c3, but we figured with COVID, it was going to take, you know, a million years to process. And the exact opposite happened on July 6th, it came in the mail. And I mean, I couldn't even describe the feeling I got when I saw it was from the IRS. I was like, wait, there's no way they processed it this fast. And they did. I mean, we didn't pay the you know, the rate to have it expedited or anything. It just came in. And I really felt like that was kind of like the sign, like, okay, we have to hit the ground running now. We did these nice little care packages, but what's next? So, you know, when we came up with our mission statement to connect people of all walks to mental health resources, we needed to know what um, that was going to be. Like we needed to know if that was going to be um, getting involved in the clinical side, if that was just going to be doing research. So really at first it was just, okay, what's going on with you? Let's go to Google. Because when you look, when you sit down and look for help, it is overwhelming. If you Google how to get free counseling or, or what does my insurance cover organizations, um, if you're already in a bad place, that is overwhelming in itself. So we were doing what I call light case management because we're not social workers. We are not case managers. Um, we're not mental health providers. We're just trying to help people. Um, so through that, we really started connecting with our local VFWs, American Legions. We have a Chatham County Veterans Council here, other organizations like Mission 22. Um, okay, come here. Sorry, to try to get the word out. Um, and we started listening to people's stories to kind of learn, you know, what, what's going on here in Savannah? You know, what's going on different with other people? Where are these gaps really happening? So once we got to see where more of those gaps were, we realized that it's not mental health, getting mental health help is not just sitting in front of a counselor. It can be. And for many people, that's great. Like it can be. Um, but for others, it's not. So you have to really know that person and, and what they need. Um, and that's where we started creating community events. We started doing emergency grants. We started doing care packages. And then we started teaching a suicide intervention class. Um, so with Armed Forces Mission, we teach a class called the Intervene Challenge that just teaches you how to see warning signs, how to talk to somebody that's struggling. I mean, how to have those difficult conversations, how to ask the really hard questions, um, including, are you having thoughts about ending your life? So uh, our goal is to never, ever, ever charge anybody for that class. We've sponsored three since we got started in July. We've got another class coming up March 13th. We just got back from Colleen, Texas, teaching one. We're going to be up in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. We'll be in Atlanta, Georgia. We'll be at Fort Gordon. So we're going to start traveling um, with these courses as well to connect other organizations and really talk about it more. Uh, how do you get set up with you? Because I would love to have y'all come do one at my studio. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, just uh, shoot me an email and we, we, hand, we actually offer a virtual option for the classes as well. So if people can't uh, make it in person, they can do virtual as well. So yeah, shoot me an email and uh, I'd be happy to get y'all set up. Cool, because I would love that. We do uh, we do on every other Wednesday night, I have uh, this thing that we do here. We don't record it or anything. It's just people getting together, building a support system. But I call it uh, the still writing sessions to where people who that have dealt with suicide, people who are battling depression, everything now, where we just get together, we talk about everything we've been through and we kind of just go through uh to help one another to help build a support system and uh it is I, i've seen some people coming here and i'm telling you it's it, ha, it has helped me with my 
anxiety and my depression so much. So the more help I can get for the folks that come in here and for others in this area um, and spread the word of y'all, I, I would love to do it and sponsor whatever. That's awesome. We, we, I know that a lot of people that have been in the military have had to take classes like this before. But what I really love about this is um, the gentleman that wrote it, he's a lieutenant or let it, excuse me, a lieutenant commander in the Army Reserves. His name is um, Dr. Lou Kuhn. He has a doctorate in counseling. And uh, the class takes about four hours, but um, just the material that it goes through, you know, the other classes like the assist programs and some different ones, just they're a little bit, not that it's bad material, it's just lengthy. It takes a long time to get through. There's a lot of that fluff added to it. And I like with this course, it gets really direct. Um, and he really gives you advice on good things to say versus things you probably shouldn't say if you're talking to someone that is struggling. Um, and it really helped. I mean, the first time I took it, I really didn't know how I was gonna take it. Uh, I was very, very hesitant, but uh, the second time it really started to speak to me. And I think it could help a lot of people. I think we need more people in our area that are literally just comfortable talking to somebody. I think we are all so afraid to say anything. We're afraid to make it worse. Uh, we're afraid it's not gonna help. When in reality, you know, studies show that if you learn to talk about your thoughts of suicide, you're going to be able to process it more and you're going to understand that it's just a thought. You're going to realize how crazy of an idea that is, where if you keep it in your head, it's going to make, it can start making sense, which, uh, you know, unfortunately is why we're losing so many people across the board. So, well, well, so many people are just taught from a young age to, you know, to not let your emotions out, especially men. We're supposed to be strong all the time. We're not supposed to admit that it's not okay to be okay. Like we're always supposed to just push through, uh, the old, uh, whatever it is you want to call it, old metaphor, just put some dirt on it. Just put some dirt on it, get up and keep moving. And uh, normalizing mental health is something that needs to be pushed and pushed and pushed from every level, from childhood to the oldest adult. With me, like, I used to walk into our lunchroom, classroom, stadium, whatever, I'm playing sports in high school, and I would automatically think that everyone was talking about me. And in reality, nobody probably gave a damn about me, but I thought everybody did. And it was my depression playing jokes on me. Um, and if I would have recognized that that was a problem and that's not the right way to think, I would have got counseling at a young age and it would have probably prevented me from going through, you know, my bad spiel in uh, 2010. So the more it can be normalized and more it can be talked about, the better we'll all be. I'm so sorry. Oh, um, you're fine. You're fine. No, 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 I just, I'm getting a mess. There's actually, um, okay. Josh, I completely hate to do this to you, but this is a veteran that uh, we've been That's helping fine. out in Alaska. I'm going to have, I'm going to have to take this call. Take this um, call. Is there a way, is there a way that I can text you? I'm so, so sorry. No, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Just text me whenever you get done. That's more important. And, uh, just text me when you get done and we'll set it back up. Yes, sir. I will. I'll give you a text as soon as I get this resolved. I'll call you back. Yes, ma'am. Bye. All right. Bye, sir. All right. We're back. Uh, Miss Miranda had to run and do something real fast. Uh, I had to talk to someone and uh, I had to take a quick piss break. So it, it, it worked out. <laughs> well, thank you, Josh. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, it happens. If you knew how many times we stopped this show just to, uh, either crack another bottle of something or to uh, go piss or for some people a smoke break, it's not that big of a deal. 
This is awesome. it's really not. Um, but anyway, so uh, where's next? What where was we at? Do you remember? I feel so bad because you had just opened up about like your story and you were talking about how mental health is not um, there's such a stigma for ah, different yeah, generations yeah. and how like the youth, if like youth would start understanding it's okay to talk about your emotions, how many people it would save and prevent from going, you know, through difficulties later on in life. It, it, it would make a difference. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. I believe that it's something that eventually is going to be taught in school and you know, counselors and everything looking for the warning signs. Uh, I don't think that's good enough. I think that's I think that's all happy and well in school, but I think it should be taught at a young age that hey, if you're feeling this way, let's talk. If uh, let's start it at a very young age, that way it's normalized by the time because most people just don't want to be considered crazy. You know, a lot of people are just like, oh damn, if I open up about this. Um, unfortunately, especially men, uh, they think that they're going to be, you know, chastised and they're going to be belittled and all these things. And it's, it's really the reverse. I have not seen anybody, uh, that has ever opened up about their mental health issues on social media or whatever, and didn't just get large amounts of love back and support and everything. And I, I wish more people would knock that damn monkey off their back and just open up about it. And they would see that they're not the only one. Yeah, talking about it, you don't realize that it's just—it's not just healing um, for other people realizing that they're not alone by hearing your story, but it actually—it's healing for you too to share your story because you don't know out there who out there had something similar that they went through, and it's like they feel not alone in the world. It uh, it makes them realize that uh, their feelings are valid, and that's important. What all? Uh, besides for like the class that you were talking about a while ago, that's where y'all kind of teach people firsthand. What other, uh, activities and things do y'all arrange and set up to help with? And can you go into detail about some of them? Yeah. So every month we do something called a wild walk. Um, we do 2.2 miles around the coastal Georgia area. And that, you know, the 2.2 is to represent the 22, um, service members and veterans that we lose every day to suicide. So we try to keep a 2.2 uh, we try to keep it not a super difficult level of, um, you know, difficulty so that it's not um, discriminated for if, if people have disabilities. So um, we we do those every month. So our next one is going to be freaking amazing. Uh, it's going to be at Tybee on Tybee Beach. We're going to be doing a beach cleanup for 2.2 miles. Um, so that's going to be Sunday, March 28th. We try to do it like towards the end of the month. Um, so that's every single month. And everybody's invited to those. Everybody of every background, every affliction, bring your family. Like, you know, we want people to come out to that. Um, we've been working with Team Red, White, and Blue. We're hoping to team up with Go Ruck and um, Silkies for that one. We want, we really want to get more groups involved in that. It's not fundraising. We don't need money. Um, we do have a sponsorship with Publix that pays for uh, snacks and things like that. And one of our sponsors is 22 Sierra Coffee that we partner with. So we always have coffee there set up. Uh, for people to enjoy. So that's a big one. We're trying to grow that one. Um, quarterly, though, we do events. So we have three different groups. We have a women's empowerment group. We have a teen adventures group. And then we have a dude things group. We we're horrible at coming up with names. So we just left it at that. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, y'all could have put just a little more time and effort into that last one. No, the dude things, the dudes called it that. It was like dude dates <laughs> or dude things. And I was like, you know what? I don't even care. You guys 
whatever. So we try to keep those groups more focused because a lot of times gender can even be a trigger for people. Or if you're going through a rough divorce and haven't seen your kids, that could be a trigger to see other people in their families. So, you know, for like our women's empowerment group, those are, those are women only events Um, for teen events. That's for teens that are struggling and for their parents or their caregivers to come kind of have peer support while the teens are just hanging out, getting out of the house, being together. And then for the dude things that is just dudes, no women, just go, no kids, just y'all go have fun. So um, we have some of those coming up for our first quarter, and we're already planning out our second quarter. So we love doing those. You got to let me know every time y'all do those things, and I will blast them as much as possible. I love that y'all do a teens. I love that y'all do something with the teens. That's awesome. Um, what are if uh, I know you said that uh, that about donations or whatever? What's way a way people can help or give back and help through your organization? Um, so as, as far as donations go, you know, we do have PayPal, we do use group rev, uh, people do go to Facebook for the, you know, the birthday fundraisers, which are all awesome. Um, but we do have two partner affiliates. So nine line apparel is a huge one that supports us. Um, we have a promo code, which is live 20 L I V E two zero. And you can use that in person or online that gets you 20% off your purchase. And then a portion of that comes back to us at fight the war within. So, um, that's a huge one. Even if you're just going to go to nine line and shop, I mean, that, that, that'll send a couple dollars our way, which directly supports our mission. Uh, we're all volunteer. Nobody's getting paid for this. So that's a huge way to help. Um, the other one is through 22 Sierra Coffee Company. That is a uh, veteran-owned coffee company. They got started about the same time that we were up and running. Um, they are amazing, and they give back to um, organizations that focus on veterans in 22 a day. So uh, our promo code with them is 22FTWW for Fight the War Within. Um, and that's I think that one's 10% off the order when you use that. Um, they made an entire coffee a blend dedicated to Garrett. It's called Garrett's Blend. So a portion of sales from every bag sold of that goes directly to us. And um, I'm not a dark coffee person. I'm like a super frou-frou, like, you know, <laughs> what, what, what did my friend call it? Uh, my mocha fuck a latte or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm super, super. But this dark roast, Garrett's Blend is a dark blend. Well, after muting the call, uh, now we're back. I, me and you are just meant to have difficulties today. Oh, sorry. I'll take the blame for that one. I was like, it's okay. It's okay. I usually break the shit around here, so the fact that somebody else is messing up, it actually makes me giggle. So it's <laughs> it's not an inconvenience whatsoever. Um, but no, uh, so the the coffee blend or whatever, it was there. Uh, it seems like you're teaming up with some really good people. I was going to ask, with you being in Savannah, if y'all were affiliated with Nine Line at all. Yes. And I, I literally don't have enough good things to say about nine line. I mean, it's, yes, it's a company and yes, they do have a separate nonprofit through them. Um, but they, they are just such like family. And, uh, my husband Garrett started working there before they moved into their new home facility, which is Um, badass by the way. Oh oh, God, it's badass. Yes. And, but the one before, I don't know if you went to the one on president street, it was, it was so sketchy. Like Garrett would have to bring like three shirts to work because it was like drenched in sweat. You know, it, it was it was absolutely insane. So he was a part of them um, putting the racks up and driving the semis back and forth with the product and stuff. So he really was one of the first people that built that. And he took ownership of that. And they noticed that, you know, they really recognized that he was stepping up. He felt like he was a part of had a mission again. 
you, you did it again. Um, what the heck? Okay, how do I block calls from coming in? That's what's messing me up. Is I, like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how you block calls from coming in. I, because I don't think I can go in airplane mode when we're doing no, this, no, can I? You can't. It's okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Oh. I'm going to have to go on my laptop, and my laptop sucks. That's what I'm worried about. Is... Hey, it's okay. I'll tell you what. Whenever one comes in, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. It's fine. You're doing You're doing good. You're working with what you I got. Am, like, I am so sorry. I told like I told everybody, yo, I'm doing this today. Leave me alone. But, oh. you're, you're fine. You're fine. But uh, so with Nine Line, um, like they're, they're one of the organizations, and you know just like I do, there are some organizations out there that say that they give back and actually help that – that are like nine line and they don't but nine line has the best reputation there's nothing wrong with making money and helping people and and you know there's nothing wrong with that some people knock organizations like that but you know they're doing a good job and on the back end they're making some money too i'm all for it i, I love everything they do yeah and they um I mean, they're not about getting attention for every little thing that they do. And I mean, this wasn't um, after my husband passed. You know, one of the, one of the big things we were struggling with was um, we were having issues uh, with our vehicle. And Nine Line raised funds through their T-shirt, the 22 and 22 a day yep. T-shirt for us. And um, they ended up going over to Savannah Toyota and they purchased us just a little used Corolla. Um, to help us out, but they didn't, you didn't see them making a news story or writing a blog or making a big deal about it. They just did it. They did it to help us. They knew that it was the right thing to do. And um, really we felt so much support from them. It was like, that was Garrett's military unit. That's really how Tyler Merritt, um, the CEO stepped up. And to this day, he still reaches out, you know, to SXME. He still is a part of our life. We, you know, we still go in there and we, you know, we recognize all the originals, um, you know, the employees that work there with Garrett, they have a, they have a beautiful little memorial wall um, in the back where he worked. He was the inventory supervisor in the mornings um, and his parking sign dedication is out front as well. So um, he's one of the, the ranger dedicated spots that you can park in um, out front. So we love them. I don't, I don't have enough good things to say about them, but they've, they've really, really helped us get off the ground. Like I said, that is those folks are being rewarded with success because they're doing it the right way. I, I've not had a person yet, yet tell me a bad thing about that. I just, uh, I just, the fact that they helped your family and they help all these other families and then they don't want the publicity from them, even though it would make, you know, their sales skyrocket that day or, or that month or whatever. That they choose not to. They choose to pick morals over money, and I and I love that aspect. Absolutely, they're awesome people. Awesome people. What are some of the things that you have planned moving forward that you're not doing now that you want to do with uh, fighting the war within? I'm so sorry, my little one is screaming at me right now. <laughs> hey, this, so is I, this is real life, man. It's fun. This is real life. I don't. I don't mind. Breed. There's moms and dads listening right now that understand exactly what you're doing. Would you like? Would you like a piece of chocolate? Is that what you're yelling about? You say please. Uh, She's smart though. She knows that I'm in the middle of something, and I'm gonna be. I'm gonna give it. To, that's Reese's. It's a Reese's one. You can have that one. <laughs> She's a smart one. There you go. Say thank you. Oh, you don't want it? Okay. Okay. She doesn't like that. That one's a bunny rabbit. My bad. How how dare I? 
Uh, the chocolate. That's not the one. I know that. I know that one all too well because of uh, my daughter. Um, but what are, are what are some of the things that y'all plan on doing moving forward that you're not doing now? Um. So really, we're we I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but the next the next talks that we've been having is where are we at growth wise? You know, where, you know, what really is the direction? Cause getting started in the middle of COVID um, things radically changing. We had no idea we'd be getting calls from veterans out of state, nonetheless across the country um, really has changed um, a lot of the direction of what we're doing. So, you know, I really don't want to become a huge nonprofit. I, I really, th th this small family feeling that, you know, we can reach out to our, you know, we call my little task forces of, Who's focusing on resource management? Who's focusing on focusing on this? You know, I love that feel of it. Um, but I definitely want to teach more of the classes for the Intervene Challenge. I definitely want to see us doing more traveling. Um, at least one bigger trip a year, I think, would be really great. Um, but just building up the programs we have here, because you know anybody can start a nonprofit. Anybody can start a nonprofit, and there need to be more that are starting. Because the one thing we've really, really learned just from being in this industry is it's cutthroat. It's dog eat dog. And it really shouldn't be that way. But there's so many groups that have the attitude that they can do it all. Mm -hmm. And that's not how it is at all. That's not how it's supposed to be. Um, so we all need to pick a piece of the pie and say, hey, this is what we do. This is what you do. How can we work together? How can we help each other out and stop competing and start being a team? So that's that's really a big thing that we're trying to um, be a part of here in the Savannah area but around the nation that needs to happen because anybody could start a nonprofit and do what we're doing. Um, yeah. I so I think kind of reaching out the next step. I definitely don't like that mentality with people. Cause like what you're doing, there should be a whole lot more. Uh, last week I was completely blown away by this 19 year old girl who started this uh, organization and um, it's called mm -hmm. um, angels for vets or vets for angels or no angels for vets i think so and during covid this girl was a volunteer for the past four years at a va and um at 19 years old this girl when covid happened and she realized that all these vets that were in there that wasn't getting any letters and couldn't see their families or whatever she started going to these guys and getting their mailing address and sending them stuff and it became kind of a a, a thing now and um I told her while she was in here, I was like, I, I don't ever want to start an organization like this. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I want to help with organizations that are already out there. I don't have to have a name on anything. I, I would honestly, I believe there's some things I just would rather kind of how like nine lines done. Is there just, you know, I would rather help. I don't really need the notoriety. I'm not doing it because of that, but you know, there should be more. And there's, you said that, you know, everybody pick a piece of the pie I think there's so many pies that people shouldn't be greedy about this. Like, why, why does it matter who's the person helping the vet? Who's the person who's helping the family? Like, you know, the hell with people to think that way because it, it, that's just not why you're doing it um, and uh, some other people. Do. You're doing it to help. Who gives a damn where the help comes from? Agreed. Agreed. And we're, we're, we're learning that you have to figure out which organizations you, you know, you're going to work with and you're going to bring into that. And you just have to, you have to be real and accept the ones that, that don't want to play nice or they're doing something different and just go on with it, you know? 
that's really at the end of the day what you have to do. And uh, I will say we are blessed here in Savannah. There are some absolutely incredible groups that I know that I could call right now and be like, hey, I've got a vet. Can you help me out? And I'd be getting answers back that day to get help. So we are, we are blessed here. I think that we just we need more of that unity. I always think that it can, you know, it can grow, it can improve. Well, we'll start with some of that unity now. Give a uh, give a shout out to some of these or other organizations that y'all work with. So not only can people look up fight the war within with you and your group, but the others. Yeah. So there's there's several here, um, and when I say Savannah, I mean Georgia. You know, we, yeah. you know, we're doing work together. But um, one that we've been working with recently that is actually in New York, but they are tele-based is it's called Hicks Strong. It's one word with two S's, H-I-C-K-S-S-T-R-O-N-G. Um, they are a nonprofit. They are also a, a surviving military family. Their son uh, lost his internal war in 2019. So his parents and his sister started this nonprofit that pays for confidential free virtual counsel, I'm sorry, therapy. So it pays for that. Um, all, and it's no red tape. You know, a lot of times when you try to get help, they want like 50 pages and all your information. And, you know, it's a lot, which is understandable. You do have to vet people. But for emergency mental health, they ask the very basics. It is simple. Um, and their lead therapist always has given veterans a call back that same day just to do an intake and say hi um, to get them on their schedule. So um, we put them as a part of our quick response group. Um the, the founder and her husband are a part of it now. So if we're like, you know, for example, without going into details, we got a call this morning about a veteran. Um, I posted it to the group, hey, who can take a lead on this? She immediately was like, I'm already going to reach out to my lead therapist. And um, as soon as they fill out the form, she'll call them. And lo and behold, it was right before noon. Uh, she let us know that they'd already had their their first intake. So that's incredible. I mean, these these people are in New York, but they're doing you know, great work. So uh, we love Hicks Strong. They, they're doing some some really, really good stuff and they're really breaking the barriers that um, active duty service members don't think they can go outside a chaplain for mental health. They don't think they can go anywhere besides the on, on, the, the on post, you know, therapist. And that's not true. That is not true. You know, therapists, um, counselors are not, their licenses do not prevent them from seeing an active duty service member and a uh, more active duty needs to know that for sure. And veterans like my husband, you know, I, I I want more of them to know that you do not only have to go to the VA for counseling. There, there are plenty of resources out there that you could see somebody out in town if you if you're not comfortable with the VA, um, you know, seeing somebody. So Hicks Strong's is a great one. We love them. Um, we love Stop Soldier Suicide. They are a larger organization out of North Carolina, and they do case management. So if we have somebody that that just has a lot of stuff going on, it's great to have a case manager assigned to you. And Stop Soldier Suicide will call you once a month for two years they dedicate to you. And you never know what, what resources they're going to find. Um, I have uh, a case manager through there for myself. And one time she was calling me just to touch base and my daughter and I were moving. And I was just small talking with her about, oh, you know, this is what I'm getting together. I got to figure this out. I have to break the lease. Um, she called me back the next day and was like, hey, I totally forgot. There's an organization that pays for gray zone, things like that. I got your moving truck covered. I was like, what? I didn't fill out a form. I didn't do anything, but it was nice to know she had my back and she, you know, learned about a resource that I didn't know was there. Um, so if people have a lot going on, you know, we'll, we'll always reach out to stop soldier suicide for them. They're a good one. Um, VFW has worked very closely veterans of foreign war here in district seven in the Savannah area. So their veteran service officers reach out to us a lot. Um, even sometimes for questions, Hey, you know, 
this veteran's in a unique situation. Can you help? And I have a lot of respect for them because here, um, you know, it, it's very controversial if a veteran has a other than honorable or dishonorable discharge and they find themselves in a bad spot. A lot of organizations will turn, you know, the other way. And, and VFW here has been very, very good about um, reaching out to other organizations to to connect those people to help. I had no, um, I've never thought of that before about getting a dishonorable discharge. And you would almost figure that their depression would be, which everybody's depression is different, but you would figure if somebody got one of those put on them, that their depression would be pretty deep and they wouldn't be able to get help. I've never thought of that. No. And that, that's been such a, such a taboo topic. I mean, but you see what's happening in the, in the media now we're, we're hearing these horrible stories like Vanessa Gillian and, and, you know, just these horrible things that are coming forward. And we're all starting to realize finally that there are two sides to the story um, for everything that happens in life. So just because someone was given a dishonorable discharge, you know, none of us are the, you know, the judge or jury on what happened that caused that dishonorable. And uh, there was recent legislation that was passed um, that everyone that was given an other than honorable or dishonorable in the last 10 years or so, it's automatically going to get reviewed for an upgrade, especially if that person was diagnosed with something mental health related in the time that they served. So uh, more of this needs to happen. More of it needs to happen. A a lot of veterans, um, they don't reach out for help because they don't think they're eligible for anything. And that's not true. Those, those, Discharge statuses, um, it doesn't mean that there's nobody out there that will help you. There, there are places that will help, and we obviously are ones that will step in and, and try to get you connected. Well, isn't it too, uh, like the case with the guys that are active duty, a lot of them don't reach out until it's too late because they're scared that they're going to get discharged, right? Yep. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, then you, then you even step into, like, the special forces world, and, you know, my husband was a ranger, and, like, um, they tell you, oh, go to the chaplain. It's confidential. You know, if it, if it's mission related, it is not confidential. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Sure, you can go and talk to the chaplain. But if you say the wrong thing or it gets past a certain point, yes, it, it could prevent you from being able to carry a weapon, which is going to make you unable to deploy, which could affect you, um, which, in you know, in extreme cases, absolutely, that's what needs to happen. But that is not the case for everybody. Sometimes people just need to talk. Um, and especially after coming back from combat, you know, it is normal for you to have feelings and, and for it to be a difficult time transitioning. Um, that That's not something normal that we are all born, you know, thinking is normal growing up. You decide to go in the military and do difficult jobs like that. Um, I wish more of our service members knew it's okay to talk about it. Hell, it, um, but, hell it wouldn't be normal if they didn't feel that way. Yes, I mean that that's what folks don't realize. You you are not conditioned mentally. I don't give a damn how much training the army, military, whatever gives you. I don't care. There are certain things that men and women that serve our country see that you never have enough training to know how to deal with. That you will never ever get some of that stuff off of you. You're you're you are not when trauma happens to your brain, regardless of what the trauma is. It has a lasting effect on you. Everybody's trauma is different. But still, trauma is trauma, and it will leave a mark on you that unless it is addressed, it's going to explode one day. And men and women that serve this country, it's almost like, in my mind, the way that I see it is, you know what? If someone has been in a traumatic incident in our military, right away there should be counseling. Before there's any signs or whatever. Um, now, I know that would be kind of hard with people coming in and out of firefights and everything. But 
condition them to know that help is fine. It's okay to ask for help. Don't make them feel like, oh shit, I'm in, I'm gonna get in trouble or I'm gonna get whatever if this happens. Normalize getting help, asking for help. And then if there is a serious problem, like you said, then you then you go a step further with it. But I honestly think too, though, that you know, just because you can't carry a firearm because you're, they say you're mentally unstable, you're telling me that that guy or that that young lady can't go do another job for the military and remain in the military and seek help while they're in there? Um, that that doesn't make sense to me. It's so much the the deeper that we've gotten into this journey. Um, it's so interesting how like like my view has changed of it. Like it, like I just see things so much differently now. And so much of what I'm realizing and that is that it's a need for a culture shift because we all, um, you know, we all are conditioned to think that, you know, mental health is weakness regardless of our backgrounds. And um, it really is going to take groups and individuals speaking up and, and, and showing that, Hey, it's okay to not be okay today. Yeah. It's all right to have a bad day. You know, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm doing to address what I'm struggling with. And if we can create that culture and we can surround ourselves with people that are positive and um, that share that belief and are supportive, um, think of how many lives could be changed. Think about how many people who had grown up in a home or a family that didn't believe that it could change them. It could change the way they're raising their kids. Um, but it's going to take more than just one of us. It's going to take more than one area. It's going to take more than one community. Uh, we really have to come together. And that's the main hashtag we always use is one team um, because that's what it's going to take for all of this. And it's not going to happen overnight, but that definitely is a dream I have for my daughter. You know, that's a dream that I have for, you know, these younger generations is that they're not going to go through uh, what ours has and ones before us. Well, I mean, we've progressed so much as a country and as a world on topics like race, religion, sex, all this other stuff. I think the next real big push is mental health and i think you're seeing it in real time too uh i mean you know what would have been 60 years ago 70 years ago taboo to be in an interracial relationship 40 years ago it was still taboo to be in a gay relationship and you know we keep moving forward we keep moving forward and the more everyone talks about it and normalizes mental health problems the more that the next generation our daughter's generations they'll be okay to talk about it. My daughter probably looks at me like I'm batshit crazy all the time. She's nine years old, and she hears me talking about this stuff. Like, I've had to have a conversation with my nine-year-old about how when daddy was, I don't even know how old I would have been, 23, 24. Um, I'm 33 now, so it's like 10 years ago. So I've had to tell her, like, what I was going through. And, like, her mom was and me and her mom have a great relationship, but her mom was like, you're fucking crazy. Why are you explaining this to our nine-year-old? And I I pretty much made it very simple. I don't want her to ever feel if she has these emotions, she has these feelings, that she's the only one that's ever had them, that she's alone. I want her to know if she's struggling with this shit or she's going through this shit, that it's okay. Daddy opened up about it. You know, same thing uh, with your child. Um... You know, I, I'm sure there's going to be some instances in the future because your your husband's, husband's past um, that you're going to have to have that conversation with her. And yeah. normalizing that it it wasn't okay what happened, but if you would if there would have been more help given, then maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. 
Yeah, and building on what you know we're saying about our daughters, um, studies show that if a child loses a parent to suicide, they are 600 times more likely to lose their life to suicide than a child that loses their parent in a different way. And not only did my husband die by suicide, but his mother also took her life when he was 20 years old. So I look at my daughter and I think about statistically how much this is going to impact her. And I, I think about when I met my husband, which was shortly after his mother passed, seeing how it impacted him as adult, you know, and I, I want to always keep that conversation with her. Um, you know, she's, she just turned three. So she's really just starting to be able to put words together and, you know, big thoughts. And, um, you know, this year at Christmas for the first time, she asked me, where's my daddy? That was the first time she ever asked me anything about him. And it, it, I felt like I was getting stabbed in the chest. Um, but it made me realize that these questions and these conversations are going to come up a lot sooner than I'm prepared for, or, you know, what I had imagined they'd come up. And, you know, I want her to know, you know, that the answer is going to, we're going to build on it as she grows, but, you know, she's going to understand that her dad was struggling. Her dad was going through something. Um, but that's not something I ever want to hide from her, from her because I'm not ashamed of how, um, you know, he passed because he is a warrior and he was fighting and he was trying to get help. Um, and unfortunately he was failed, but, um, that's not something that kids should ever have to find out and then be ashamed about. So I think it's great that you're opening up to your daughter. I think she's going to respect you so much now, but as an adult too, um, cause she'll at least know, Hey, I'm not, I'm not on my own. You know, dad's gone through this dad's strong. Look at dad. I can do this too. Yeah. I mean, people need to realize with, you know, with your husband's situation and unfortunately a lot of other folks' situation, it wasn't that they wanted to die. They were just tired of living and they didn't know a way out. So the more you talk about it, the more you put it out there, the more you help others or whatever, it helps them realize that. Uh, you know, I had a woman in here um, a couple months ago. She lost her son, uh, I think 2015 or a little bit before. Um, and she does this event once a year. It's called a uh, pitching for PTSD. They do this cornhole tournament in his honor, um, and all this stuff and everything. We had her on the show and she was awesome. And, um, they had, she had his son in there and I asked his son, his son was like 17 years old or whatever. And, uh, I asked him, I was like, you know, what, what did you get out of this? And he, I mean, he pretty much told me, he was like, I, it doesn't make me feel better. Still, I'm still angry about the situation pretty much, but now I'm having an understanding. And when kids start getting that understanding, that's when you break the cycle. Uh, and, and that's the thing. We all need to break the cycle. If we can help prevent somebody from taking their lives, no matter what the hell you got to do, do it. You know, and if it's just sharing your husband's story, I would believe you said your husband's a warrior and it's funny you said that because I literally, that's my, my word I used about everything is being a warrior, being a badass and everything. The fact that your husband's story is saving lives after his death, he's going to be a warrior and not just while he's living, but all time. We use warrior. That's like our, that's our uh, kind of one of our catchphrases. We finish it with every blog. We say fight on warrior. Um, and when we were in Texas recently teaching a class, we all got, uh, we got that tattooed on us somewhere. We got fight on warrior with the semicolon afterwards. I got, I got mine right here. <laughs> Heck yeah. Okay. So we're, we're trying to plan, um, 
like a tattoo fundraiser is like an idea, like a veteran owned tattoo shop to have, and, and, you know, like a sheet of, of, you know, tattoo ideas, but the semicolon being a big part of those designs. So I'll keep you in the loop. If we can, we can get that figured out. We have a meeting on it this week. I know you let me know. I promise you, I will hook y'all up with whatever I can hook y'all up with. Um, Miss, I'm like I said, the fact that Kurt and Renee told me I had to meet you, like I was like, okay, you don't have to. They're, they're you, awesome. you don't have to give me any more information. I'm fine with it. She she can surprise me. Whatever it they're is, they're great, and they're also G people. So we are G people, and G people are crazy. You know, like you're just like a like a separate breed, and um, when we met Renee and Kurt through Buddy Watch Walk. Um, Garrett had bought this Jeep for our daughter Essex when I was like five months pregnant. He was like, she's got to have a Jeep. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? You just, this hunk of junk that's not even driving. You just, <laughs> I'm going to kill you, whatever. Okay. So he bought this, this little XJ, this 2001 XJ, which already is, you know, you know, just a money bag. Um, and he started renewing it. So that was like a lot of his paychecks was just wanting to fix this Jeep up. But it was like therapeutic for him. You know, he put he put the three inch lift on it. He put the K bar lights, he put the rack um, and he, you know, he unfortunately didn't finish it. So um, shortly after he passed, I resigned from my position with the fire department. And I was like, I'm going to cash out my retirement. So I thought I was going to finish this Jeep. And uh, I bought the tires. Like, that's it. I bought the tires. You know how <laughs> devastated I was? I was like what that was my whole retirement are you serious so i was feeling really bummed out about it and this uh word got around in this jeep group up in north carolina called true patriot inc uh i got a phone call and i, I never forgot it he was like hey i need your address i got two guys a truck and a trailer we're coming to take the jeep and i was like who the hell are you people and they're like we're, we're gonna take it from here so they came and got the hunk of junk and uh in august we they presented it back to us and it looks totally different. They painted it like it was black and peeling. They painted it blue. Uh, they got nicer wheels on it. Like it just, they put a new exhaust on it. Like they got the fight the war within emblem on the side. So cool. it was, uh, it was so cool. It was, it was really awesome. So when we started meeting these Jeep people and, uh, you know, Renee and Kurt have their Jeep. I was like, okay, I like you guys already. Like, this is going to be a good story. You know, I'm not a, I'm not four wheel drive yet. That's the next step. I'm hoping to get it converted someday, but, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I've had about four in the past uh, five or six years, and uh, I have too. I can't keep them. I, it's one of the things that I just I'll have them for about six months, and then I'll sell it. I can't. I don't know what it is. It, it's either rough on my back, or I have too much fun in them. I'm bad about riding dirt roads and uh, having somebody drive me and having a couple adult beverages, and then seeing a mud hole and telling them to get the hell out of the way, and. Uh, when, it, when you start breaking stuff, it quits being a fun hobby. It starts being a, a, a money pit, and I, I don't, I'm cheap. I'm a very cheap person. They're, they're not kidding. Jeep, Jeeps are so expensive, and uh, now I know why my husband called it the XJ Blues. I'm like, man, this freaking Jeep. Okay, I got to keep this thing running for forever, so it's uh, it's been a learning process. Well, um, I very much appreciate you doing the show today. Um. Uh, I hate that you've gone through all the heartache and everything you've gone through, Miss Miranda. But uh, I, I do believe that it was part of your husband's journey and your journey to help others. Uh, I always, I, no matter what the situation, I try to see the positive in it. And there's so many situations that it's just damn near impossible to. 
But the fact that out of his death came an organization helping his fellow brothers in arms, you know, that's saving lives even when you're in the grave. And if that ain't something that's freaking special, I don't know what the hell is. Um, and I applaud you for being so damn strong. Uh, there's been a lot of women that's been in your position that have just sat in the closet. They've sat in the darkness and they've, they've just, they've wallowed in, in sadness. And you're a badass yourself for, uh, picking up the mantle and, uh, carrying it the way you're doing it and being the badass that you are. I'm sure your husband would be ridiculously proud of you. And for somebody who just met you, hell, I'm proud of you. And I don't, I don't even know you yet. Um, whatever y'all need in the future, if there's anything I can ever do to help anything here at Raising Grace Studios is yours. Uh, you, you let me know. Um, I would love to help in any way. If y'all want to do some concerts over the summer or anything to raise money for our vets, you please let us know. We want it. We want to be part of whatever you're doing. Um, you don't have to put my name on shit or say I helped anybody. I just want to help to help though. Um, but yeah, drop your social media information again if you got any special message you want to say as we get off here. Say it now. You are awesome, Josh. I really I appreciate you all just taking the time to talk. Um, the big thing that I try to say wherever we're at, whoever we're talking to, is um, I feel like every time you know we're going through a rough time, we're looking for signs. We're looking to try to find some meaning to what we're going through. And um, if anybody is listening to this today that is going through a rough time or you're having dark thoughts and uh, yeah. you're really struggling, um, if I'm the first person to tell you that you matter, you know, I hope you re-listen to this 50 times because you do matter and uh, your your journey's not over. And um, I know sometimes it can feel like by ending your life, it would just take your pain away, but that's not what happens. It just transfers the pain to the people around you that love you and care about you. And uh, there's people you don't even realize love and care about you as much as you do that that will suffer if you take your life. So there, there are resources out there that you wouldn't even believe, regardless of your background. If you're military, veteran, first responder, civilian, doesn't matter. Uh, there are resources out there that can help um, with any situation that may be leading to a mental crisis. So financial, educational, um, legal issues. There, there's people out there that want to help. So know that you are cared about and there is help out there. And if we're that first line of defense for you to reach out to, uh, we're happy to take that call. So reach out to us through um, our Facebook. We're under Fight the War Within. Uh, same thing with our Instagram. And you can email us at info at fightthewarwithin.org. And we will have one of our volunteers get back with you and figure out what we can do to get you in a better place. So keep on fighting. You're a badass. You keep doing what you're doing. I'm very, very proud of you. Thank you, Josh. You're awesome. Yeah, thank you. God bless you and your family. Uh, Y'all are in our prayers here at Raising Grace Studios. Uh, now, go take care of that little sick baby. She seems like she's uh, she's ready for some mama time. Uh, so you, you go handle that. And once again, whatever y'all need, y'all please let us know. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Hey, thank y'all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast. Y'all, please go check out Miss Miranda Briggs uh, with Fight the War Within. Uh, y'all go y'all go buy something, help, whatever you can do to give back. Uh, just appreciate y'all listening to the show. And remember, if you are struggling and you are in a dark place, God allows us to go through hell just so we can get to heaven. Your darkness won't last long. If you want to come out the other side, you keep fucking fighting, and you'll be a warrior just like 
uh, just like Miss Miranda and her family is. God bless y'all, and uh, see y'all next time.